0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy Jalen. If you do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. It would definitely mean a lot to me. But where we'll start is this. So we're in, we're underway. You know, Man is underway. Uh, you're getting upsets left and right. And people are saying, you know, we've never seen upsets like that. We've never seen this many higher C's get upset. I mean... Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts. Virginia loses to Ohio. Um, what, Illinois loses to Loyola Chicago. Uh, just the other day, Iowa lost to, what um, they lose? Oregon. And, you know, people are, are wondering why are we seeing this the, this many upsets. And honestly, when you really sit back and think about it, I don't think they're really upsets at all. And And... I'll say it in a standpoint like this. I understand when you look at the rankings, you know, when a a, a one seed loses to a a 16 seed or two seed loses to a, a 14. You know, I understand that. You know, I understand when you're talking about rankings that, you know, Illinois losing to a Loyola Chicago was an upset. Now I will be I will also be the first one to say that if you watch my uh, episode when I did the men's bracket, I picked Illinois to make it to the championship and ultimately win. I, I know I, I've been talking about Gonzaga this entire year, but I just wanted to go on a limb. I saw what I saw from Illinois in the conference championship, and it was hard for me to not pick them, even though. I should have gone with my first pick because Gonzaga's looking crazy right now. Like Gonzaga looks unstoppable. But that's not why we're here. All year, I've been saying college basketball has been down. All year, I've been saying that either the top is getting closer to the bottom or the bottom is getting closer to the top. And when you look at the talent-wise – Yes, you still have, you know, the the Kentuckys, you still have North Carolinas, you still have Dukes, and they're gonna hold a prestige like they hold their name holds prestige. However, when you're looking at the talent on the floor, and I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's the pandemic, I don't know, you know, this, you know, last year and this year, there's a record number of of, of athletes getting hitting the transport or trans transport what the world hitting the transfer portal uh i don't know if it's just the the talent i don't know but if you look at let's let's just look at two teams now 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 again before we go gonzaga is not a part of this okay when you look there's i it it would behoove me to look at gonzaga and be like oh well they're on the same class as blank like no what I'm seeing from Gonzaga right now, and honestly what I've seen from Gonzaga all year, they're on a class of their own. If they don't win the national championship this year, I think it's gonna be one of the biggest upsets ever. Like I kind of remember I kind of remember when uh Anthony Davis won the national championship for Kentucky, if they would have lost, because they were just dominant all around, if they would have lost before or lost in the in the national championship it would have been something crazy or when uh K- uh Kentucky had Carl Anthony Towns, Devin uh Devin Booker, the Harrison Twins and they lost that was a huge upset but if if Gonzaga loses I I, it's, I don't I don't see it happening and we'll talk about that in a second but when you look at the talent look at the talent that Let's just go with Oral Roberts. Look at the talent that Oral Roberts has and look at the talent that that let's say let's 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 look at Virginia. Virginia has tall players, of course. So does Oral Roberts. Virginia has scores. Oral Roberts has the leading score in college basketball. Or and, and it's it's I, again, I don't know I, It's Virginia Virginia's well coached, or Roberts is well coached. They have NBA-type players, while Oral Roberts didn't have as many. Th- Again, they have the leading score in college basketball. He can definitely make some noise in the NBA. I just, the talent level is starting to get, the, the talent gap is starting to close. So when we say upsets, I don't look at it as much as upset. I look at it as much as, except for, you know, Illinois losing to, you know, Loyola, Chicago. That was an upset. But I just see the talent level from the bottom team or the teams that we would consider the bottom and the teams that we would consider the top to start there. They're starting to even out. Like we can't look at Abilene state and be like, or Abilene Christian, I'm sorry. And look at Texas and be like, well, that's a huge upset. While it was an upset in the rankings, Abilene Christian has really good players. And so does Texas, but it's like, we're so bent on the rankings and we're so bent on the number like, oh, he has a number five. So he should definitely uh, be the number 12, even though if you look. <laughs> Loyola Chicago has the same amount of talent as a lot of most of the people in the in the conference. And it's again, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that teams aren't better. Clearly, I'm not saying that and I, but when you look at Iowa there if you now i understand what happened with VCU uh and their game getting canceled so Oregon has an automatic bid up but you can't tell me that there's a huge discrepancy between the talent that was on Iowa and the talent that was on Oregon like you even though and and the Pac-12 is killing it by the way the Pac-12 has like what four teams in the, in, the, in the tournament right now or or nine or something like that like and and even though the score was just out of control, you can't tell me that the talent that Kansas had this year is so much worse than the talent that was on USC. So what I'm saying is we're talking about upsets, and we're talking about, you know, this is... We're we're fine. At least this year. I'm not saying that it won't change. I'm not saying that the Blue Bloods won't, won't come back and just be what they usually are. I'm not saying that this is the norm, but at least for this year, we're getting parity. And it's not like outside of one team, maybe two, you know who's going to win. I mean, you don't know who's going to win going in. And that's because the talent gap is starting to close. So when you look at a Iowa losing to a Loyola Chicago, you're like, wow, Iowa – Iowa should have just destroyed them. I mean, no, uh, Illinois should have just destroyed them. No, they shouldn't have. Little Chicago, even though they're AC, they have the talent and they have upperclassmen. that's a lot of things we're seeing this year also. A lot of the teams that are winning have upperclassmen, have a lot of juniors or a lot of seniors. So it's, again, I'm enjoying March Madness. And it's even on the women's side. Now, the women's side is a little different. (laughs) The, The women's side... All the favorites outside of maybe one or two, all the favorites are winning. Now we can talk about what happened with Texas A and then uh what today on uh, Sunday, but you know. All the favorites are winning, all the all the teams that are supposed to be good are, are, are dominating, like Kentucky. I'm not Kentucky, can, uh UConn's great, uh Baylor destroying people, Stanford just Beat somebody like damn near fifty. So did a uh, South Carolina. The women's side there ain't no parody. If your number is above the other number, you gonna win. But it's just on the men's side, and I've been saying this, and this one reason why I said that I think you're gonna get more excitement from the women, especially if you're not a fan of parody. Because a lot of people said they're a fan of parody until you look at college football and you see, uh. Alabama's are always at the top or Auburn's always at the top or um, LSU or uh, what uh, Clemson like you and they're still getting you know some of the most ratings in the league I mean in in television so do people that say they love parody yet they don't watch if their team or if the top team's not in there it, it kind of you know it, it kind of questions do you really like parody or not but like I said, man, college basketball, it, it was down this year. And and I'm not saying that to say that March Madness has not been exciting because it's been exciting watching Oral Roberts, you know, be a Cinderella story. It's exciting watching Loyola Chicago make to the Sweet 16. It's exciting. Even though my North Carolina got destroyed by Wisconsin, it's exciting to see, you know, not knowing who's going to win and just watching two pretty even teams, even though the numbers don't, the numbers or the rankings don't really say that watching two teams go up against each other like and and it's, it's 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 fun to watch now i said we'll talk about it in a second but at this point there's no parody in my opinion when it comes to who is the best team in the in the country when it comes to college, men's college basketball and that is Gonzaga now who i don't here's the thing <laughs> A lot of people are asking why Gonzaga is this good. We've seen Gonzaga. Hell, Gonzaga's made it to the championship, and they lost against North Carolina. They, they're they always a, a game or two away from making it to the national championship. So a lot of people are asking why now. Why is it that Gonzaga is this much better now? And here's my theory. Gonzaga is used to having upperclassmen. They're used to having solid players, but... One thing that you see from a lot of national champions is they'll at least have one or two NBA style players, NBA type players. And while you have a Roy Achimura who went to Gonzaga, while you have a um, what's that dude's name, Kelly Olenek, who went to North Carolina, I mean who went to use uh, uh, Gonzaga, they don't have like a they didn't they've never really had a top tier player that. Is a bona fide – it's a bona fide bucket, let's say that. Kelly Olynyk was good and – was great in college. Ruby was really good in college. But they weren't bona fide buckets. Yes, they're sound players, and Gonzaga's always had sound players. Like, they've always had a time, and they've always had a, a – the, the point guard, I forgot his name. But they've never really had that player that can take them over the top. This year is different. You have Jalen Suggs, who – is potentially a, a one or two overall pick in next year's, in this year's draft. So you, you couple that with the talent that you have, with the upperclassmen, with the size, with the execution, and you have a person that can go get you a bucket even when all else fails, that is a recipe for success. Not to mention most of their best players outside of Jalen Suggs are upperclassmen. And they just do everything right, from defense to offense to running plays to running sets to running uh, inb- inbound plays, half-court traps, full-court traps. Gonzaga does not have a weakness. You can say, uh, well, they don't score as good as blank. Like, like for instance, when we look at the scoring, when we, look at, when we look at teams that can score, I don't think Gonzaga can score as well as Alabama. I don't think Gonzaga can score as well, let's say, I don't think Gonzaga can score as well as Baylor. I don't think Gonzaga can score as well as, who's still in the tournament? I don't think Gonzaga can score as well as a, let's say, USC. Well, no, they, they can score better than USC. But I don't think they can score better as, like I said, Baylor or, or, or Alabama. However... Alabama does not play, while they play really good defense, their defense is nowhere close to the level that Gonzaga plays. Baylor's defense is nowhere close as on the level that Gonzaga plays. We'll go back to USC. USC plays like they, they you cannot score in the paint with USC. USC has nothing but big bodies. However, they cannot score as good as Gonzaga. So what it is is Gonzaga is a complete team. And they're really coached well. So that's why, while why I think that there's a lot, like this year, more than any year, there's parity. There's a lot more parity in college basketball because there's not, there's, I don't think that the talent discrepancy that you usually see from the top teams is not there anymore. And you can, like I said, you can, you can look at, and a prime example about that is look at the game we just saw what on Sunday. Oh no, Monday, the game we saw Monday, Kansas against uh, USC. Usually, Kansas is one of the top blue, like top teams that are that are always. You know, they always have the talent. They have a Thomas Robinson. They have a, um, Joel Embiid. They have uh, who who else did they have? It's Kansas. They've had they've had top play. They've had the Morris twins. They're usually ab- above the rest. They just got destroyed by like 34, 34 points in mar- in the tournament against USC, a USC team that has maybe one uh, U- NBA prospect, which is the tall, the tall dude, I forgot his name, but like I said, man, it's while we have a year of par- uh, parody, as in you don't know who's going to win from night to night. That cannot be said when you're going against a Gonzaga. To me, Gonzaga is is better than everyone by a country mile. And, yes, that's no shot to Alabama. That's no shot to Oregon. That's no shot to the team still remaining in the playoff, I mean, in the tournament. But when you look at a Gonzaga, it's hard for me to pick anyone above them. Even though I did pick Illinois, I was probably a prisoner of the moment. But even though I have praised Gonzaga this entire year, seeing as though it's they're they're just above, they're just above the rest. So, like I said, I just I don't see it. While yes, they're upsets when we talk about rankings, it's hard for me to call consider them upsets when you look at the the talent discrepancy this entire year. Like like I said, outside of Gonzaga has been like. You look at Duke's record. You look at Kentucky's record. Two teams who didn't even make it in the tournament. You look at North Carolina's record. You look at Kansas record compared to a or Roberts. Compared to a Abilene Christian. Compared to a Ohio. Compared to a Ohio State. So that's what you know. That that's 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 that's, that's March Madness for you. And like I said. You're really starting to – you're really seeing who is a fan of parody and who's not because everyone says, oh, I'm tired of seeing Clemson in the national championship. I'm tired of seeing Alabama in the national championship. I'm tired of seeing what what Duke – and when we talk about basketball now, Duke and Kentucky in the national championship. Yet and still – the the I, I like to think that the the ratings and views are at all time high at this point. Not saying that they are out time, but they're in the, they're pretty high. Seeing as though you don't know who's gonna win night in night out outside of one team. So, and and yes, I, I'm not I'm not forgetting about Baylor, but I just don't think Baylor is on the same level right now as a, a Gonzaga. So that's that. Let's move over to NFL. Okay, so. Free agency is on and there's still multiple free agents that, you know, free agency is a time in the NFL. That's one of the outside of the draft. That's probably one of the most important times because this is the time where you have players getting released. You have players that are on the market that are are could could be major part of somebody's team and could. I mean, you look at last year. This is where Tom Brady went to went to Tampa Bay, and you see how that ended. So, And Gronk at that. So free agency is very important, and there's been several moves. I'm not going to talk about every single one of them, but there's been several moves that's been made. Uh, either they're really good moves or, to me, they're really bad moves. So what I was going to do is I was going to do the five top free agency moves and the five worst free agency moves. And I wanted to do this because I wanted to – I wanted to shine light on how, why these moves were good or why these moves were bad, in my opinion. Of course, it's all in my opinion. And, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it. So let's start with the top, f- like, the five best free agency moves, in my opinion, so far. Now, there are multiple free agents that are still available. Like, uh, Melvin Ingram is still available. AB is still available. Javion Clowney, Sammy Watkins. Kevin King even though the last time we saw Kevin King he was getting torched by Scotty Miller but you know Kevin King is still available there's still a lot of unsigned free agents that can 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 be pieces for a team that can put a team over the top so but let's start with some of the top free agents some of the free or top free agent moves some of the free agent moves that can directly impact a team or a player Let's start with number five. Number five is Dallas re-signs Dak Prescott to the four-year, $160 million contract. That's huge because that, you know, we for the last, what, two years now, Dak has been fighting for a new contract from the Dallas Cowboys, and the Dallas Cowboys has been reluctant to give him that contract. And when you look at – Dallas was, I mean, Dak Prescott, if you really look at this year's free agency, Dak Prescott was probably the biggest name as far as the quarterback position. Now, I'm not saying he's the biggest name that wanted to be traded, but probably the biggest name as far as the best quarterback that was out there. And the fact that Dallas shored him up, even though a lot of people thought that he was going to get franchise tagged again, even though that franchise tag, I think, would have cost him like 50 million or something like that. The fact that they were able to lock or shore him up for four more years and making him one of the highest paid quarterbacks, which I still have my reservations about, but it works out for Dallas because you get your quarterback. And it also works out for Dak Prescott because you get the money that you wanted, And that takes probably the best quarterback that was on the market that takes him off the board. And now you're pretty much other teams are, okay. well, we're not getting Dak. So let's see. Where it goes from there, so that's why I think that's number five. I also think it's number five and not higher because a lot, everyone pretty much knew Dak Prescott wasn't going to uh, leave Dallas this year. Now nobody, we didn't know if he was going to stay another year as far as after this year, if they would have franchise tagged him, but a lot, mo- most of us knew Dallas, da- Dak Prescott was going to be a Dallas Cowboy uh, next season. We just didn't know if it was going to be under a contract, or if it was going to be under a franchise tag. And the fact that they were able to get a contract done, you know, it, it works out for both parties, I guess. So that's number five. Number four, I have New York signs, Kenny Galloway, four years, $72 million contract. The reason why, Kenny Galloway was the best wide receiver on the market. You can talk about AB, you can talk about uh, Corey Davis, you can talk about, a whole bunch of other wide receivers, but Kenny Galloway was the best wide receiver on the market. And the fact that the New York giants picked him up, it really says a lot about that move from the Giants' standpoint. What they're saying is while we trust Daniel Jones, he's also on the clock because, and when I say on the clock, as you give him Kenny Galloway, they also signed Kyle Rudolph. You have Darius Slayton, you have Sterling Shepard, you have uh, Ingram. You have so, and Saquon Barkley's coming back. You have so many offensive weapons. And I think that in the draft, they're really going to hone in on the offensive line and the de- yeah, offensive line pretty much. And of course, you re sign Leonard for the defense. What you're pretty much saying is, look, we're giving you all the pieces. If, if, if any of the top quarterbacks, and I don't think, I, nobody thinks that Daniel Jones is a top quarterback, but if you give, like, give, give let's see, hmm, give, give Russell Wilson, you know, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galloway, uh, Kyle Rudolph, um, Ingram, and Saquon Barkley, that is a squad right there give any of the top quarterbacks that amount of talent around him they're going to make something happen so what they're saying is okay we're putting all our chips in the in the in the middle and daniel jones you have to lead us to victory if you don't then we're going to be on the market for a quarterback because a lot of times we looked at daniel jones we said the same thing. All right, well, Daniel Jones is still young. Uh, he doesn't really have help around him outside of uh, what Saquon Barkley, who got injured, and now that you have the one of the one of the better wide re, wide receiver cores, make it work. And if it doesn't work, then they're they're going to be on the market. And I think, honestly, I think that this is a play. Kenny Galloway probably chose them due to the money because you heard teams like uh Seattle looking at him, you heard teams like the Ravens looking at him, you heard teams like uh the Packers looking at him. So, I think it works p- and Kenny Galloway chose the Giants. I think that not only is that money, but he has faith in Daniel Jones. And we'll see. I mean, Daniel Jones especially the beginning of his career was turnover prone. And I think that I think that he's imp- I mean, it's not even just think. If you look at the stats, he's improved dramatically from his rookie year to where he is now. So, again, this the Giants are pretty much saying we're giving you all the talent in the world around you. If you don't make it work, it's on you, not on us. So, that's number four, the Giants signing Kenny Galloway. Number three, the Patriots signed both Hunter Henry and John Doe Smith, or John U. Smith. To me, while they're not top, top Tight ends This this shows that the Patriots Not only understand the quarterback that they have But understand one of their weaknesses They When you look at Cam Newton's success Back in 2015 when he won the MVP When he got the, the Panthers all the way to the Super Bowl One thing that you saw is Cam Newton thrived on Throwing the ball to Gary uh, Greg Olson, I'm sorry And most of his targets Were to Greg Olson And the Patriots, especially last year, and actually the last few years, they've been one of the worst teams as far as production from the tight end position. And while Hunter Henry isn't a top, top tight end, neither is Johnny Smith, they're still high end tight ends. And what you're doing is you're pretty much saying, and and while I do think that they're still going to draft a quarterback, what you're saying is okay. We have Cam Newton at least for one more year. Let's 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 put all the table and see what we can do. Let's try to get him the pieces. Because not only did they sign Hunter Henry and Janu Smith, they signed uh what Nelson Aguilar, uh and and Kendrick Bourne. Like those are wow. I, <laughs> the jury is still on Nelson Aguilar. Kendrick Bourne is still a, a a pretty good. In fact, let me say this. Kendrick Bourne is better than what the hell they had. So. I think that the Patriots are 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 leaning into their quarterback, which is Cam Newton. And and they realize that Cam Newton had his best years when he was had had at least uh, uh, a dependable tight end. And now he has two. While Hunter Henry isn't the greatest catcher, he'll still be able to catch, you know, some he's a he's a big he's a really big tight end. And he he can get you some yards. And Johnu Smith is more of a catcher. While he isn't the biggest tight end, he's more of a skilled tight end. So you have two ends of the spectrum when it comes to tight ends. Hunter Henry does need to get better at blocking just a tad bit more. But I think that I think the Patriots signing not not just Hunter Henry and New Smith, but most of the offensive weapons that they signed, I think is a big move, especially for this year. I, I think they understand that they're not – even with Cam Newton, I don't think they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. But I think that with the piece that they have and Cam Newton having a full a full offseason that isn't rehab, a full offseason of of training. And then of course the off uh, the the training camp and maybe preseason, I think that the the moves that the Patriots made will at least get them back into the playoffs. So that's that. Number two, I have Washington signing Curtis Samuels. Last year, Washington's big, one of Washington's biggest flaws was their quarterback. I mean, wide receiver, wide receiver depth. Yes, you have Terry McLaurin, who to me is a top wide receiver. But outside of that, I mean, Chris Sims is okay. But you didn't really have any wide receiver help. Bring in Curtis Samuel. And the good thing about it is you're bringing in Curtis Samuel, and you're not asking Curtis Samuel to be a number one. Curtis Samuel is not a number one. But we already have, oh, no, let me say we. Washington already has a number one in Terry McLaurin you're asking him to be a solid number two and one Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin played together in college and I think that the speed as with his as well as the the burst that Curtis Samuel has I think that that'll definitely help for Washington while I hope that's not the only wide receiver help they go or wide receiver they go for in 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 free agency cuz there's definitely still still some wide receivers left. I think that Curtis Samuel is one, you know, is is one of the better pickups for Washington. And that's why I have him at number 2. And number 1 I have the Chiefs sign Joe Tunley, the the lineman from the Patriots. I think I mean, we all saw how bad the Chiefs offensive line was in the Super Bowl. Hell, I mean, this that was the first game in his career that he started that Patrick Mahomes failed to reach the what? Failed to reach the end zone. And we see how many times he got sacked or rushed. And I think signing one of the top offensive linemen, now I don't think that that solves all their problems because I did just release Jeff uh, Eric Fisher and another lineman I think signing one of the top linemen, especially one from the Patriots, and we know how good the Patriots' line's always been. I think that definitely is a, is a huge step in the right direction for the Chiefs. I don't think I hope that that's not all they do, because like I said, that's just one lineman, and, and it's not the entire line, but the majority of the line. You need a little more line work, but I think Joe Tun Tun Tunley. Tun uh, definitely is a huge get for the Kansas City Chiefs. So those are my top five, um, top free moves. Of course, there's there's a lot more that I like. Like, I like Seattle getting uh, Gabe Jackson, even though Gabe Jackson isn't the best Offensive lineman It definitely uh, helps Seattle's offensive line I like um, Of course J.J. Watt Going to the Cardinals We talked about that While I don't think It was the best move I do think it does Help the Cardinals also like A.J. Green Going to the Cardinals I think that was a big Sneaky move That that they did So there's a lot Of free agents that Free, agency, free agencies <laughs> There's a lot of Free agent moves That I like But to me Those were Ones that stuck out <sighs> There's also a couple that stuck out that um, stuck out in the worst way for me. And now I'm going to give you my top five questionable. I'm not going to say worst questionable decisions as far as free agency. And let's start with number five. The Raiders signing uh, Kenyon Drake. This is not an indictment on Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, who played for Arizona, is a really good back. He's... He's quick. He's while he isn't the largest, he you know he he's able to take hits and and bounce off hits. Kenyon Drake is a really good uh, running back. The reason why I question, I think this is one of the most questionable or quote unquote worst free agent moves is I don't understand what the Raiders are doing. The Raiders, you trade away or release. Uh, majority of your offensive line this offseason. You also have Josh Jacobs, who is one of the top running backs in the league, even though he and he's young. So why is one of your biggest moves getting Kenyon Drake when you when you have to shore up the offensive line again, you give up Nelson at well, Nelson Aguilar is gone. So you have to get another wide receiver in there. I just I don't understand why you pick up Kenyon Drake for the amount of money that you give him too. Like I just I don't understand that when the moves before that says, okay, well we're going to dial back on the run game because you pretty much decimate your offensive line, but then the first big the first big acquisition is a running back after you have one of the top running backs in the league. I just I don't I don't really understand that. Again, this is not an indictment on Kenyon Drake, because Kenyon Drake is a really good back. But Kenyon Drake is also dealt with injuries as well. So I'm just I just don't get it. I don't know what's happening. Not to mention you you're saying that I don't know, know because, like I said, I just don't understand what the Raiders are doing because you don't really you don't have a backup outside of Marcus Mariota. But you're telling you're telling Marcus Mariota that you have to, um, you have to take like an eight million dollar pay cut, or you're getting cut. Which means that once you release, because I wouldn't take no eight million dollar pay cut. Once you release Marcus Mariota, you don't have a ba- a, a reliable backup quarterback for uh, what Derek Carr. And while I don't think Marcus Mariota is is a top tier quarterback. I think he's really good when it comes to a backup. I mean, we saw what we what he did, what, that uh Sunday night, I believe. So I, I just don't understand what the Raiders doing. I, I really don't. So that's why I have number I have them at number five signing Kenyon Drake. Number four, I have the Tennessee Titans signing Bud Dupree. Here's the thing. I just I don't think they're really I, that just to me doesn't That does this move doesn't scream awareness, and when I say that, the last time the Titans made a big move for a big for a a a, a big name defensive player was Jadavion Clowney, and this the, the 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 similarity is they're both coming off of huge injuries, huge lower body injuries. ACLs like and the fact that you saw with the production that you got or the lack of production that you got from Jadavion County a lot of people want to attest that to the injuries you then next offseason do the same thing and sign Bub Dupree after tearing an ACL now I'm not saying that Bud Dupree can't come back and be better than Jadavion County was and I'm not saying that won't happen what I'm saying is you just did the same thing a year prior and it didn't work out for you. Not to mention the fact that these are two, these are it's not like basketball. It's not like KD rupturing his Achilles like that's not that. I mean, basketball isn't a, a hugely contact sport like football is. And while a, a, a player like KD or a player like Klay Thompson uh, can bounce back and and still be as great as they are. You don't really see, once a player tears their ACL, you don't really see them be as great as they were. And you're signing Bud Supri to a top-tier contract. I don't think you're going to get top-tier production, seeing as though he is coming off a torn ACL. And I just don't get it because you just did the same thing a year prior with Jadavion Clowney. And it didn't work out for you. Now, again, I'm not saying that Bud Dupree ain't going to work. I'm not saying that Bud Dupree isn't going to be better than Jadavion Khan. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is it just doesn't seem like you're too aware of the, the mistake that you just made because you just did it again. So that's that's all I'm saying. That's why that's number four. Number three, I have Juju Smith re-signs with the Patriots. I mean with the the Pittsburgh Steelers. This to me has nothing to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This has everything to do with Juju Smith Schuster. This this move screams a couple things. It screams that Juju Smith realized that he didn't have a huge market. And this also this also shows which you're seeing a lot of people signing one or two-year deals is because I, you know, we we all heard the the ESPN 110 billion dollar uh contract that they signed with the nfl and i think the super bowl will be on espn in what 2022 or, or 2024 something like that so i think that a lot of players are anticipating that after a year the the salary cap will go up due to the contract that they just signed with espn Here's the thing, though, man, and and I think that is probably one of the biggest reasons why Juju Smith re-signed with the Steelers, because you look and it's like, okay, I don't have a big market. Juju Smith, while he can be a top receiver, he has not been a top receiver, in my opinion, ever since A.B. left, and he had to resume the position of the number one. It just hasn't worked out. He hasn't been great, and when I look at, like I said, when I look at what's going on, it's like... You signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers because you know the organization. The organization hasn't failed you. You still believe in Big Ben, and while that's cool, it just it it's head scratching when you hear about the teams that wanted Juju Smith. And I I, I kind of understand why you didn't choose the Ravens, seeing as though uh you know the Pittsburgh steelers Ravens um rivalry. I, I get that, but. When you have the Ravens that want you for a million dollars more, and you have the Kansas City Chiefs that want you for a million dollars more than what the the Pittsburgh Steelers had, it just doesn't. It boggles my mind. And and what what also boggles my mind is if you're anticipating that um if you're anticipating that the the cap was going to go up next year and you're going to be able to capitalize on that and get more money, why not take this year? to go to an organization that can at least win you a championship. Cuz I think you have a I think Juju has a better opportunity tr- making it to a a Super Bowl in Baltimore or Kansas City than he is at this very moment in Pittsburgh. Especially when we look at who's who's the quarterback. Now, you can say and I, I think this is a tired argument, but you can say Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball even though he's one of the, statistically he's he's had some of the most throwing yards last season but why would you pick and here's the thing you'll still be able to capitalize on that big deal a year after it just you would be on a different team why would you choose Pittsburgh over Kansas City Chiefs especially when we see what that offense and with that quarterback is doing to a with a with a Tyreek Hill. With a Travis Kelsey. Hell, we saw what he did with a Sammy Watkins. Like, I just... Or McC- uh or Harmon. I just don't get why you would... I understand, you know, it's, it's just one year. And you don't want to learn a new playbook. And, you know, you, you're familiar with the organization that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I thought the name of the game was winning a Super Bowl. Not to mention, if you can say it was a money ploy, you would have gotten more money other places. And, of course... If you're trying to capitalize on the the big payday that's supposed to be coming next season, you can capitalize on that as well. I just I just don't understand it. I mean, I understand the familiarity, it is what it is. I just I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Number two, and this is back to Washington, Washington signing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here's the thing. All I've heard, we we all know, you know, they they released Alex Smith. We, I, we understand that Washington, Washington's pro- biggest Achilles heel or biggest problem last year was their offense, was the quarterback position and the wide receiver position. You address the wide receiver position in getting Curtis Samuel. While he's not a top wide receiver, and I think that you know if you're going to pay Curtis Samuel as much as you're going to pay Curtis Samuel, why not go for Juju Smith-Schuster? Why not go for... Uh, I don't know uh, uh, an A-B or A B or I I don't know why not go for a Corey, da- Corey Daniels or whatever Corey Davis or whatever, but you you get Corey, Cor- Curtis Samuel. I'm not upset with that. When you look at the quarterbacks, <laughs> here here's the thing: Ryan Fitzpatrick is not bad. He's not. I mean, he's had flashes. Um, it, we know this. But I think he's been in the league for 14 seasons and has been on nine different teams. We've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick is as a starting quarterback, and that is not good. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a bona fide backup quarterback, which is okay. He thrives in in, in positions where he doesn't have to be dependent on an entire season, maybe a couple of games. Maybe five, six, seven games. But if you need him for an entire season, we have seen time and time again that he is not the man to get the job done. He is not the one to get the job done. Yet and still, when you look at the quarterback position or the free agents that were were on the market, while it wasn't a huge market, You had Cam Newton. You had Sam Darnold, which I think that you could have made a a deal. You had Ms. Trubisky. Like, I, I don't understand why Ryan Fitzpatrick was the dude. Like, I just don't get it. Like, if that's the case, why not? Even though Ms. Trubisky is not... Leaps and bounds better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Even if Sam Darnold, you have your reservation on Sam Darnold. What he has going for him is he's shown flashes and he's younger than Ryan, than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here's the thing. I understand Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to throw the hell out the ball. He is going to sling the hell out the ball. That's just what he does. But Ryan Fitzpatrick also is one, usually one of the league leaders in interceptions. And it's, I just don't understand when you... And you also had Cam. I don't understand why you didn't... Get, I, now, I don't know if you tried to get all these quarterbacks and it just didn't work out. But why... I just don't understand the move for Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially when your defense is as good as it is. And we know that to what Washington needs to go over top is a capable quarterback. And then you choose Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a bona fide backup. Now, I heard... Don't be surprised if, you know, Washington goes and tries to get Sam Donner, tries to get another quarterback. I just don't understand that either because you already have Kyle Allen. You already signed Tyler Heineke to, what, a, a two- or three-year deal. You have a team full of backups and not a starting quarterback. I don't think we're going to carry four. Now, we could with COVID. Who knows? But I don't think we're going to carry four quarterbacks. So I just don't. I don't understand why when you've had, when you had quarterbacks that were younger, when you had quarterbacks with better arms, when you had quarterbacks that were more accomplished on the market and you go get Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I don't get it. I understand. He'll give you a lot of yards. He will give you, he'll throw the hell out of that ball, but he will also, <laughs> he'll also put you in more. He'll also put you in harm's way more than more than not. And, he has been a league leader in intercept, not league leader, one of the league leaders in interception almost every year of his career, and we've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick is when he is is deemed a start. Let me say this: when he is when he is dependent on to be a a quality starter, we have seen what he's done, and it has not been good. So I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. And number one. Chicago with Andy Dalton, like it just it. What what hurts even more, which you kind we kind of knew that they weren't gonna get uh, Russell Wilson. We we kind of knew that, and we also kind of knew that we they weren't gonna get Deshaun Watson. But you hype up your fan base to you know where you know where where you cut um, Fuller, who is one of the better. Cornerbacks, you know, for the money wise, and say we're going to make a huge play at Russell Wilson, or we're going to make a huge play at Deshaun, and then <laughs> the story comes out, and the the confirmation comes out that you signed Andy Dalton. It's bad, man. It's it's bad. Not to mention, it's like outside of that, you really didn't make any moves, and it kind of goes back to this the 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 point I just made with Washington. You had diff. You had other. You had you had other quarterbacks. Hell, I think Miss Trubisky's starting quarterback is better than Andy Dalton. Like I, I don't understand. I just I just don't understand, man. I don't understand it. I, do, I just I don't understand it. I just don't understand why how now. I'm, and the thing is, a lot of these teams like Washington, like Chicago, have more caps money. And they could use it for 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 better players. I just I don't understand. An honorable mention was Mr. Trubisky signing with the Bills. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I understand why Mr. Trubisky at least did it. I don't understand why the Bills made that move, but I understand. You know, you see what out what Josh Allen was, and then with that coaching staff and quarterback quarterback uh, coach, now you see hell. He was a game away from making it to the Super Bowl. And he was one of the best quarterbacks last year. So I understand, you know, under that tutelage and under that that uh that uh, you know, the opportunity that the Bills give you, I understand why Mitch Trubisky would make that move. But I don't understand why the Bills make the move. But yeah, man, those those are just some of the head scratching uh decisions that happen in free agency. Now free agency of course like I said is not over. You have AB, you know, reports to come out saying that the the Seattle Seahawks want to sign him. Melvin Ingram still needs a new contract. I don't I hope that I don't think the Chargers will let him out the door. Uh Sammy Watkins, King, I, we there's still more moves to be done, but those are the five best and the five I guess worst that I wanted to highlight so far. So there's that. Let's move over to the NBA. So LeBron James, Mr. Bionic Man, best player in the world for, for God knows how long, he is out with a high ankle sprain. Um, and that really sucks. And it, it sucks for a lot of reasons. And we'll talk about LaMelo Ball in a second, but I don't like, one, this is, I think that we're starting to see the aftermath, which I understand it was a freak play with Solomon Hill. And, and going for the ball, I understand that. But we're starting to see the, I think, effects of having a shorter offseason, especially for the Lakers and, and other teams, because you're starting to see injuries pile up, and, and freak injuries at that. Hell, we even saw Steph Curry with the whole tailbone thing, you know? it's It's – I think that with LeBron James being out, I mean it, it could hurt I mean it'll definitely hurt the Lakers in the in the in the immediate future seeing as though LeBron James and Anthony Davis is still out but you know I think that the most important thing is getting LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy for the playoffs. I think if they're healthy for the playoffs then it shouldn't be a problem because like I said they're still top. Now, I will say this. Anthony Davis I think he needs to. I would hope that he can play a couple games before the playoffs because I think Anthony Davis has been out for so long. It's kind of like KD. I think they've been out for so long. I think that they'll need a couple games. I don't want their first games back, which I, it could be because they're 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 both great, and and they're both you know Hall of Fame level talents. But it would be really tough for their first games to be playoff intense games so i think you know with lebron james being out for three to four weeks minimum is what they're saying i i think that this gives him time to rest because like i said the lakers just came off of winning the championship and had the shortest offseason than anyone you know and it sucks that lebron james had to take this break due to an injury so i just i think that the the time will do him good And, of course, like I said, the immediate future, it's not going to help the Lakers at all. And I think the Lakers will probably, I mean, you have to depend on Kyle Kuzma. So, I think the Lakers will probably drop down to maybe, I'll say, fourth to sixth in the east. I mean, in the west. But I think that if when LeBron James comes back and Anthony Davis comes back, I think they'll be okay. Um, so, So, yeah. Moving forward, like I said, LaMelo Ball fractures his hand and is out for the entire season. Now, this sucks, and, and, and we're seeing this with the MVP, too. The, the MVP and Rookie of the Year awards are being affected by injury because if you really look at it, the beginning of the year, you still had LaMelo Ball, but second in line in Rookie of the Year was James Wiseman. Hell, a lot of people had James Wiseman first, actually, in the beginning of the year, but James Wiseman gets hurt, and LaMelo Ball goes up. Now you have LaMelo Ball had has had an incredible season, He's out with the out for the year due to a fractured wrist. Now you have Anthony Edwards coming up. Here's the thing. The question is has Lamelo done enough to win the, the rookie of the year, even if he doesn't play for the rest of the season? I say no. And I say no because Anthony Edwards has been incredible as well. It'd be different if it was LaMelo Ball and then everyone else from a country mile. Like it, it would be different if that's the case. But no, Anthony Edwards has kind of been chomping at the bits or chomping at um, LaMelo Ball's ankles for a minute as far as the uh, the Rookie of the Year race. And with LaMelo Ball being out for the rest of the season and hell, last week, Anthony Edwards had like a 40 point game. So I think that I just think I don't think I think LaMelo Ball has done enough to win the Rookie of the Year. But I think so has Anthony Edwards. And the fact that LaMelo Ball will be done playing for the rest of the year and Anthony Edwards won't, I think his stock will rise. And, and unfortunately, LaMelo Ball's stock will fall for the Rookie of the Year. And I think Anthony Edwards, if everything works at how it's been for the rest for the entire season, I think Anthony Edwards will win Rookie of the Year because he's, he's had an incredible season. So, so is LaMelo Ball. So is James Wiseman. So is... Uh, Tyler uh, Halliburton, like they they've had really good seasons, but I just think with Lamella Ball being out, it's 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 Anthony Edwards to win. I don't think I think Lamella Ball is done enough to win, but so has but it, it hasn't been. He, he it's not a far gap between one and number two, and with number one not playing, number two, which is Anthony Edwards at this point, will come up and to me win it. And like I said, it, it it's the same thing with the MVP for the for the longest it was LeBron James but then actually if you remember the beginning of the season it was Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was incredible. Kevin Durant was looking like the best player. He gets injured. Then the you know the rise of Joel Embiid and and LeBron James and uh Jokic. Joel Embiid's out for a couple weeks. Now you have LeBron James out for a couple weeks. So I, it just sucks that some of the bigger awards, which is the rookie of the year and MVP, are getting affected by injury. But you know, that's I guess that's the name of the game, man. So we'll just see how it, we'll just see how it ends. So you know, I'm excited, I, and I'm still gonna watch. And it doesn't take away from the fact that Lamelo's still a great player. Definitely doesn't take away from the fact that LeBron is you know LeBron is still gonna be LeBron. But you know, it's, it, it is what it is. So moving forward. Oh, man, (laughs) so I'm starting to see the Rockets won their first game, what, two nights ago out of late. Let me say this. The Rockets were on a 20 game losing streak and finally beat the Raptors. What, like two nights ago? And I'm starting to see what I've seen so many times from African-American from the NBA and African-American coaches. You th- Let me just tell you what Steven Silas has gone through this entire year. A, a week or two before you get the job, Darryl Morey, uh leaves, resigns, and goes to Philly. You get the job, head coaching job. First head coaching job, Shouts out to Steven Silas. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is traded. Then James, We know the James Harden saga. He ends up in Brooklyn. Then you get John Wall, and he, along with Christian Wood, and majority of the team deals with injury. Then you trade away your best defender, pretty much, and P.J. Tucker, you trade him to the Bucks. Steven Silas has been put into a lose-lose situation, and I, I hope that this does not affect him long-term, but we've seen this so many times. Like, Stephen A. Smith said it best. You look at the situation that Stephen Silas was put in, like dropped in. Then you look at the situation that Steve Nash was dropped in. Steve Nash, he, you get dropped into a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, now James Harden, DeAndre Jordan. You have Mike D'Antoni uh, is, your, is your assistant coach. Like, st- African-American quarterbacks are... I mean, not quarterbacks. African American coaches in in almost every sport are usually put into bad situations and expected to make a lose lose situation a better one. But if they don't have the tools or unable to do it, they usually get fired. You look at what happened with um, you look at what happened with, with with Herm Edwards. You look at what happened with uh, uh, David Fisdale. You look at what happened with so many. Hell, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd had a good record for the Bucks and still lost. Or still got fired. So it just. Uh, L, Ty Lu for for the Cavs after winning a championship. It just. I just hate to see. And then this is all comes off of the interview that Steve. You know, the after the game, after one of the games, Steve Silas just looked dejected because they they lost their twentieth straight. Um, it it just sucks that this is yet another another situation where an African American coach is put into a an un, situation, an impossible situation to win. Yet and still, he's more than likely once they turn around, if they turn it around, you're they're going to look and say, "Well, you had blank, you had blank." you should have made it work. So we're firing you and going to bring in someone else, which, which is unfair. And usually the person that they bring is better due to the fact that the African-American coach had to go, had to go through so much BS and, and stuff from the organization. And once the, first, the uh, next dude comes in, you already have the team built. Hell, that's happened With Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. So it just sucks, man. It sucks for Steven Silas. I don't think any of this is Steven Silas's fault. I'm, I'm, I'm on the side with, uh, Stephen A. Smith, I think this is a lose-lose situation. Like, how do you expect anyone to fare when you trade your two best players off the team before the three, actually? Three best players are traded off the team. Like, what the, What am I supposed to do with that? Like, what am I supposed to? And, and then now the current best players, Victor Oladipo is probably going to get moved by trade deadline, which they just acquired. Um, John Wall, while wow, he's good. We've seen, you know, he needs players around him. And Christian Wood has been injured majority of the year, even though when he is playing, he's still, to me, a most improved player. But when is he, you know, when is he, you don't know if he's going to play or not. So it just, it just sucks, man. It sucks for Steven Salas because to me, it's just not fair. But, you know, it will, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. And before we go, Elgin Baylor who is a Lakers great. He unfortunately passed away due to natural causes the other day. Um, He was 80, 86. When we talk about great players and we talk about the NBA, a lot of the times, name, you know, Elgin Baylor's name gets forgotten. Oh, uh, you know, we talk, and even when we talk about Lakers greats, of course, we talk about Kobe, rest in peace. We talk about Shaq. Uh, we talk about Wilt, Kareem. Elgin Baylor was one of the best defining play was one of the I'll say 50 defining players in the league. While we don't talk about him enough, you can't talk about the history of the NBA and not talk about Elgin Baylor. I understand that, you know, new player, new people that really don't know much about NBA might not know who he is, but for the novelist and for the people that understand basketball they know how important and how good elgin baylor was elgin baylor for a time was probably one of if not the best player in the league and you know i send prayers out to his family i send prayers out to his loved ones and i wanted to end the show with an acknowledgement of of elgin baylor so rest in peace to elgin baylor one of the greatest basketball players to ever live one of the greatest basketball players to ever step foot on the court and, you know, rest, rest in peace, Elgin Baylor. And there you have it. That has been this week's episode of the Un- or this today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. Again, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. I will come on, still listen to where you're listening, but come over to the YouTube. Please click the subscribe. I would love you to get the full experience of the show, but, I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And until next time. Oh, and I am, I'm still doing the two episodes a week. Don't, don't worry. However, I'm going to change the dates. Like I said, I'm going to start dropping Wednesdays and Sundays instead of Tuesday, uh, ooh, whoa, whoa. Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'm sorry. Instead of Tuesdays and Saturdays. Cause I just think the Tuesday and Saturday are kind of too close together. So Wednesdays and Saturdays, I'm still, I'm going to be dropping two episodes a week again. so, I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And until next time. Much love. Baby.
1: I have to get to step in. just like Martin 40k booking that's where I'm starting I'm read that, a up that you I'm a boss, I can hire her, then fly out from Brazil on a temporary visa, this a lesson, cuff don't no hold, there's no arresting, no more resting. fuck a pilgrim, no more settling, get the message, no you ain't cause we ain't texting, we ain't sexy, you might have to get to step stepping, just like Martin, 40k booking, that's where I'm starting, where the valley?